Welcome back to another episode of Actors with Issues. I am your host, Juan Ayala. Today's guest is actor, writer, producer, singer, and a dancer, star of stage and screen, Alex Ross, who you may know from the hit Broadway musical Book of Mormon, the Steven Soderbergh film Logan Lucky, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and the Nat Geo series The Long Road Home. Alex chats with us about his years-long journey with Book of Mormon, the importance of actors not giving up their power in the audition room, and what he teaches young actors at the Graham Shields studio in Los Angeles. Now, please enjoy this conversation with Alex Ross. So let's go back to the beginning. So where did you get started uh, with acting? How did did all that get started for you? Because, you know, no two actors' journeys are alike. Sure, they're all different, right? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I was born in the UK. No, I'm just kidding. We won't go to that that, that far. But I, uh, no, I went to school for um, for vocal performance, and uh, you know, studied a lot of classical music in college. But even before then, I've always been a performer. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I really I, that was realized in acting, so to speak. But you know, like I was doing the, the show choir thing, so I always loved being on stage, and then turn that into, you know, going to school for music. And then afterwards, I, uh, I sort of left my undergrad wanting to do anything that I could to get on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, I immediately started auditioning. I moved back to Dallas after I finished school and uh, started auditioning for a lot of straight plays and musical theater and doing that. And then eventually that led to me doing a show at Dallas Theater Center. And then uh, I met some people there, they were like, you know, you really should get an agent and try to get, you know, into the on-camera world. And I was like, yeah, great. And so I reached out to about four people that were represented by a great agency in Dallas called the Mary Collins Agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are, shout out to them. They're fantastic. They were my first agents and I will always love them forever. But uh, yeah, they, uh, I had all of them refer prefer me in different ways and then eventually they decided they wanted to meet with me and I think they saw me in a couple shows um and then that's how I my on-camera acting experience started and I think Mm -hmm. that was in the year 2013 I think so um you know uh started with commercials and doing that and then pretty quickly got into small co-star stuff uh down in Texas and then uh and then eventually that led to some bigger projects and then that took me out to LA gotcha and how did um how did you feel the transition sort of going getting started on stage and then sort of figuring out um getting into the on-screen world because I feel like depending on the person depending on their background and whatnot it's a very different experience sort of going from one to the other yeah, it definitely is. I think um, like so many theater actors going into the on-camera thing, it's just sort of realizing that it's so much about um, what you're thinking, your thoughts. I mean, acting is behavior, acting is doing. However, like instead of performing for 500 sets of eyes, you're performing for one eye mm. and it catches everything. And so realizing that, um, you know, instead of saying like, just do nothing, which, you know, you hear a lot of acting mm. just, like, just do nothing, just say the words um, and, and you'll be fine. I think it's, it's actually much more difficult than that. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of theater actors, they use their bodies so well and experience things to it's, you know, all the way from, you know, your heart all the way out to your fingertips. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. Um, and you still have to do that work but then you have to uh, internalize it and, and send the action, but don't have to do it with, um, with so much uh, vigor with your body. And so I think find, realizing that, you know, through acting coaches and people that I started to work with, I think I took my very first on-camera acting class right before I signed with my first agent, mm-hmm. uh, taught by a good buddy of mine now, his name is Steve Walters. And uh and we worked with the Michael Caine acting and film book, which is very mm-hmm. famous and has the the video that's on YouTube. You can you can watch the whole thing and uh, you know you you talk about I'm not blinking, I'm not blinking, I'm mm-hmm. not blinking, which is his big thing that everybody quotes in that one. But uh, yeah, I think that was eye opening for me, uh, and then that helped me sort of get going in that world. So when you were making that sort of transition from one to the other 
did you find that you were more drawn to one? Did you miss the other one at any point or was it where you sort of just like open and accepting to all of it? I was definitely open. I mean, you know, when you're starting your career in a place like a, a small, a small market like Texas, I mean, I, I hate to say that's small, you know, it, it, it's, there's quite a lot of great theater that goes through there and mm-hmm. TV shows that stop through there occasionally, um, you know, sometimes have been busier than others, but, uh, yeah, I think you have to be flexible. You have to be able to go between mediums, which is, you know, you're on stage one day and then like the next day you're on set and then you're doing a commercial and then you're doing the endless uh, industrial jobs that you get sent on because every major corporation has a headquarter in Dallas. So they all mm-hmm. need these training videos. So you, you definitely have to be able to go back and forth between multiple mediums because a lot of those roles that you get, especially on camera are, you know, day players. Mm-hmm. Occasionally you get things that last a little bit longer. And um, luckily for me, I, the last job that I booked in Texas was like a, a huge gig and I was on set for like three months. And, you know, it was, uh, it was the thing that sort of transitioned me into LA, but that was like a once in every 10 years opportunity those things just don't happen very much in texas so um but i was you know eternally grateful for it and uh i was grateful for the experiences that led me up to that uh up to that point for sure but yeah you've got to be you've got to be multifaceted in texas as an actor Mm -hmm. in, in any market really and uh sort of going and you know again not to call it a small a smaller market Mm -hmm. but um compared to, to New York and to LA has, ha, what have been sort of the biggest differences that you've noticed uh, going from sort of from one to the other? So I think that um, I always say like, you know, when, when, when I'm teaching and, and talking to people about getting their career started, like there's nothing wrong with like cutting your chops in a small market. And then, you know, I've, I've heard this said by multiple people and friends, like when LA or New York, when you're ready for those things, they're going to let you know, like things. Mm. Are, and that's what happened to me. You know, I, I, uh, I came off the, a, a couple big projects and then it was like, it just made total sense for me to move to LA at that mm. point, even though I had a lot of theater, theater experience, my career had sort of taken that, um, that transition. And so it just made sense. I had to come out here and do some press and my wife and I were ready to move to a different place anyway. So it made sense for us to come to LA at the time. And it just so happens that, you know, after a year of living in LA, I randomly book a Broadway show and now I have to move to New York. Um, But yeah, I mean, the differences in the markets, um, I don't know. I mean, auditioning is auditioning. I feel like LA, it's it's less about what's going on in the room and it's more about uh, the number of the number of exchanges that you have on the daily basis with people that are in the industry. You know, if you are getting started in St. Louis or Dallas or Austin, you may meet another actor once every few, you know, besides your friends, you know, once every few weeks. And, and that's a conversation starter Mm. in LA. It's sort of a conversation ender that you say that you're an actor. It's like, great. What what else, you know, (laughs) you know, I kind of hate that. And also it's sort of like, I don't know, you got to find your tribe. And uh, once you do, any any market is going to feel um you're going to become comfortable in it so i was lucky enough to you know do book of mormon on broadway and find my community up there and as long as you as long as you find a community and in the town that you're in i think um i think getting plugged into the industry it takes time obviously the bigger it is it takes time but um eventually it it starts to become the norm it's just Mm -hmm. you know getting in those rooms and and uh and making it happen so with Book of Mormon, um, you joined the cast how long into the run? Into the run of Mormon? Yeah. Uh, well, Mormon had been uh, on Broadway for eight and a half, eight and a half years before I started. Um, gotcha. And so it's kind of a funny, you know, journey for me with Mormon. Really, I I was living in Dallas at the time. So this was several years ago, five, six years ago. And Hamilton was doing their first, um, like, you know, audition tour where they sort Mm -hmm. of go around the States and try to find their next, you know, their next cast. Um, And I was like, well, I'm not going to pass up my opportunity to go audition for this casting director. So I went in and I said, you know, the general male audition, which is like part of Dear Theodosia and Hamilton on your side. And I did that. 
and they were like, okay, great. And I was like, but I have, you know, like I can sing the King George. And they were like, no, 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 we know you can sing. It's all good. And that was the end of that. So that was Hamilton. And then a couple weeks later, that casting director had passed my name on to the Mormon casting people. Mm. Um, and, and they were like, um, hey, can you send us um, some price stuff? Mm. Uh, you know, would you be interested in auditioning? And I was like, you know, yeah, sure, of course. And I did. And they asked me my tap level um, and on a scale of one to 10, mm. 10 being your savvy young lover. And, and I was like, a three or a four, you know, <laughs> like I've taken some classes and they're like, okay, we don't think you're quite ready for what they were looking for was the ensemble track that is in, gotcha. you know, that does like a lot of the tap and yeah. then, um, you know, covers price as an understudy. And uh, that wasn't great. And then when I moved to LA, um, I just randomly, this is years later, I got an appointment um, and still same casting uh, and brought me in. And I don't know if they remembered me or not from that self tape years before, but went in and uh, went through that series of auditions and, and then uh, got flown out to New York to do what they call price camp, which is essentially an extended audition uh, four days um, where you get to work with the whole creative team uh, and they essentially teach you like the first 20 minutes of the show and mm -hmm. well, 20 minutes of the show. Uh, and I was the only price invited to price camp. Mm -hmm. There were uh, two Cunninghams and one Nabalungi. And so it's just essentially like people that you can work with. And, yeah. uh, and then they asked my agents if I would be like willing to work in any of the casts at the time there were four and there was about to be five with the UK tour about mm -hmm. to be launched and i said yes um and then i got a call about a few weeks later after christmas and they said i was going to broadway so i was a standby for price on broadway after yeah so it'd been run for nine years and i think i'm like the i don't know 20th price <laughs> to do it 25th 30th yeah. i have no idea no yeah. idea but it was a blast great opportunity for sure and i'm supposed to go back at some point yeah I, I, yeah goodness um, it's so funny hearing, I, uh, I had no idea that, um, Book of Mormon did sort of like the camp type thing. Cause I hear of so many friends of mine, you know, going to like the Hamilton boot camp, or, or something, you know, and it's so funny to hear that that's like a thing. I had no idea before anyone from, uh, that I knew that sort of went out for Hamilton, uh, even mention it. Uh, so with Book of Mormon, how many, so you said it was a rather, I mean, I'm sure with most Broadway shows to be a standby or to do anything, uh, in terms of like the leads, um, it's a very long process, but did you, was there anything sort of that you learned um, during that process that, that maybe you weren't really expecting or um, yeah. anything eye-opening during that whole thing? Definitely. Mm. Well, first of all, auditioning for musical theater in LA is a lot different than auditioning for musical theater in New York. Yeah. Uh, just the atmosphere in the waiting room. Remember waiting rooms? when we had waiting rooms that they were gonna have waiting rooms anymore no. um but yeah the atmosphere and the waiting room pods, is, so just much <laughs> more, is so much more relaxed uh, yeah. and so <clears throat> i think you know knowing that my career at that point was going much more tv and film and i got sent on this appointment the the stakes were really low for me mm -hmm. and i think when you walk into an audition room especially for broadway like where everybody just wants to do such a good job and you're about to sing, which is such a personal thing and you really want to do it so well. Mm. But for me, the stakes were low because it was just kind of like, well, this is a musical. I remember when yeah. I used to do that years ago. Yeah. And that translates to casting mm. a lot. Um, and it also was specifically great for this character because Price is so confident, doesn't really like knows that things are going to go well for him. So I think... I think I, when I walked into the room, I just was there to have fun and kind of do the thing. And then as soon as I was done, I was like, peace out, I'm gone. Yeah. And uh, I think they were like, what? Like, well, what? <laughs> you didn't seem to care about this at all. Yeah. I, don't think I, I don't think I shaved. I think I wore like a t-shirt. You know, I, I was mm. like acting like I was going into a commercial audition. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like the price audition, which yeah. needs to be buttoned up. And, and they did eventually, they were like, can you shave and can you like wear a button up shirt maybe to the final comment? Um, but yeah, I, I definitely learned that when, when you can sort of, I don't know if it's tricking your mind or experience or, or, or whatever it is to sort of lower the stakes in auditions, 
um, instead of coming across as the needy actor, because generally that's the reality of the situation. Yeah. Actors need jobs and, you know, casting directors are somewhat of a, of a gate of a gatekeeper for that. But I think when you can learn to do that, um, opportunities present themselves and, and you paint yourself in a, in a great light and you don't give up your power. Mm. Um, you know, I think when you, when you can, when you can lower those stakes and realize that it's just another opportunity to live the life for a few minutes, mm. um, then, then the good things happen. And that's what I learned through the audition process for sure. I mean, it's, and I learned a million other things yeah. while I on Broadway. However, that was, you know, at least the, the onset, that was for sure what I learned. Yeah. It's so funny hearing, um, you know, don't give up your power. I forget. I've done like 25 episodes of this show, the podcast by now. It's just so many interviews are all like melding into one. Um, I forget who it is that talked. It might've been at a workshop. I don't even remember, you know, so, many, so much advice gets, gets passed around um, over the years. Uh, but that was definitely one that really stuck with me was for actors to not give up their power. Um, because like, yes, you might be desperate for the job. This, this job could totally change your life. Uh, but you know, there's, there's a level, like you said, of, of, of confidence and a level of, of energy that they can, that's palpable. They can, you know, really, yeah. really see it and feel it. And, and it, it really gives off so much of the character. Cause you know, yes, they say bring yourself part of yourself to the character, to the role. Um, but yeah, that's something that really always is a, is a huge reminder. Um, especially now with the world of self tapes, I feel like sometimes we're a little bit too relaxed because we're doing everything in our own environment on our terms, you know, um, 100%. I miss the audition room at all. Oh, I do. I do. I, I, you know, I think, I, like so many other actors, you know, you want to get it right so mm. often. You want to get like, get that perfect take that you can sort of, um, you can sort of over, not, I wouldn't say overwork, but like, you know, you can just at home, you can sort of psych yourself out of it in a sense, yeah. you know, whereas like in the room, if you're, if you're prepared and your preparation is, you know, super deep and super you know ready and, and flexible for the different stimuli the audition room presents you i think that that energy that like newness of it is it, it's just so much better for me um however you know i've been working with people recently um like i've been coaching on my auditions recently with one specific person who is incredible at being like okay let's forget all the words that you're saying and let's like do it's like improv this whole thing let's play and it's less about like finding the perfect take and just like finding it within your body and finding finding the exciting things that happen and doing a little bit more research and so we end up like with three pages of sides working for like an hour and a half mm. but it's less about like oh i just can't say that that word right or i can't say that line right and it's more about like it just doesn't it's just not exciting it's not sizzling we're not mm. finding the thing within you um, it's translating into the lens. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's fun to kind of get to work at home and do that, but man, I do miss it. I miss going into the room. I miss meeting people face to face. I'm such a people person. I'm, I, I love getting to do it. And I love getting that, that feedback, you mm -hmm. know, um, if you're lucky enough to get feedback in the room, which doesn't yeah. always happen. Yeah. A lot of times it doesn't happen. So sometimes yeah, you get definitely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which, yeah. you know, like, I'm usually the first one to say thank you and leave because mm. again, playing a little bit of hard to get, I think that yeah. goes a long way. Um, but yeah, I, I miss it for sure. It's, it's nice to get into the room and just meet new people. And, you know, no matter how long you've been here in this town, it always feels like, you know, there's somebody you haven't met. There's a casting mm. director you haven't met yet. And you're like, wow, you know, like you've been here for, I've only been in LA for a total of like maybe three years. And I feel like I, I've met quite a few casting directors, but I know for a fact, like in Texas, you've got maybe three that are important to meet out here. You've got 60, you mm -hmm. know, and it takes forever to meet those people for sure. Yeah. And for them to get to know your work, it's tough. It's so funny. It's I just like harking back to when you said um, you weren't sure if the Mormon casting team had remembered you from yeah. before. And it's so funny because I'll see the same casting director like, you know, twice or twice in a year. And just like, oh, it's great to meet you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then well, maybe, it's like, well, maybe, they you're act, 
Maybe your acting is so transcendent that they just can't <laughs> see the difference between the characters. That you, have you considered that? No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, because you've sort of been in in, in three different markets, um, you know, a lot of actors I know sort of are in one and they stick to one, or they haven't just made the move just yet. Um, but because you've been in three different ones, I don't want to ask which one do you like more, but because um, it's not fair, but. Uh, what are sort of like the most stark differences that you've noticed between, uh, between at least like New York uh, and LA? Um, that's a good question. Stark differences in the mediums or in the people or what, what, what do you mean? A bit of both. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Cause you know, there's definitely, you know, New York TV looks like New York TV. Oh yeah. Um, that's you know, sure. it definitely has that vibe. Um, but also like the auditioning, the people, the energy, you know, yeah yeah i think um there is a difference again it's like sort of there's a difference in the waiting room and also like there's a difference in the room itself like you auditioned for telsey and telsey does a ton of stuff you know they do theater and tv and they do films yeah um in la most casting directors out here are sort of specific to what they do you know what i mean like you go in for Sarah Finn, you kind of know what you're getting with Sarah yeah. Finn. It's not to say that they couldn't cast the musical if they needed to, and I'm sure they probably have at some point. But um, yeah, I, I feel like in LA, the casting directors are a little bit more specific. And once you understand kind of what they like, you go in for General Hospital, you know exactly what you're getting from yeah. that casting director. Yeah. Um, whereas Telsey, you, you know, you're someone like that, you get some, you get, you get different things, and you can sort of put on different hats for them a little bit. Um, and if you can show that, I mean, that's a beautiful thing, right? Instead of a cast director looking at your resume being, and being like, oh, okay, this is a musical theater actor. We kind of know what you're gonna give us. Mm. Um, you know, you go to Mary Sugarman or somebody like that in New York and she's like, but I know he can do TV as well, which is exciting. Um, well, some of the other differences, you know, <laughs> obviously the travel between auditions difference yeah. in LA you have the you have the benefit of the car ride in which you can sort of rehearse your lines and you can get yourself together in New York it's like you can't get yourself together until you're in front of like seven other actors in the waiting room and you're trying yeah. to kind of mentally prepare for that so you have to be a lot more zen in New York yeah. um, you have to be a lot more just like sort of I don't know what the word is but LA, you have a little bit of a, a privacy that you can create for yourself, which can be can be helpful. Um, yeah, that I, I was sort of I underestimated what that would be like, you know, when I moved to New York and you know while I was doing Mormon, I was able to audition for you know a couple of day player things and, and booked a couple of things on TV while I was there doing that. I don't know if they know about that if they're not listening, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know I think. Um, I underestimated the travel and, and, and what that can do for you. You know, they say to leave all your personal stuff at the door, but when you've hopped on three trains and you've been accosted by, you know, four people on the street about coming to this show or on that show, it takes you out of yourself. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind traffic. So <laughs> in LA, I'm like, Hey, you know, this just gives me time and yeah. give yourself plenty of time to get to auditions. But yeah, I guess, I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but uh. no, of course. I mean, you know, it's all, it's all about your own personal experiences, but it's, it's a fun, I've only visited LA a couple times for, um, for one of my, my side jobs, um, as a, as a writer. And, yeah. uh, and it's just so funny that, that you mentioned, um, you know, if you're in New York and you're sort of going through all the hustle and bustle just to get to your audition, oh. you have to be a little bit more Zen, but it's so funny because people hear Zen, they think LA and it's just, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. That, yeah. Uh, that's interesting that you brought that up because I think there is a misconception about what LA people are like versus what New York people are like. And there is a difference. Yeah. However, I think um, as far as like, the actors are concerned, there is a difference I, as well in just the general person that you meet on the street versus like the difference in the actors. Um, people think that New York, you know, actors are a little bit uh, assholes, but I always think of them as just grittier. You know, a lot of them are more theater trained and, able to kind of uh uh send the action a little bit more directly and a little bit more specifically yeah. and that translates into the shows that are shot there i think you know you have a lot of the procedurals yeah. that are shot that um 
you know, and one of my favorite shows in TV right now is Succession. Um, mm. I'm obsessed with, and yeah. a lot of the people are theater actors, you know, Brian Cox and, um, and all, all of them, I think have done some incredible theater overseas and here. And um, LA is, you know, it's a little bit more, there's a lot more comedy that's shot here. Yeah. So the people are a little bit more, um, and you know, there's more commercials that are shot in LA. So you have a little bit more of that type of actor that you that you run into and, and that you have to act opposite uh in this world but i've sort of i don't know i've done quite a lot of the the procedural stuff the ncis's and the law and orders yeah. and, that, and so i don't know I, I i think i fit in that world so maybe maybe new york is better for me maybe i should move to new york full-time i don't know my wife might have something to say about that <laughs> <laughs> is your wife an actor as well or no no, she's not. Although gotcha. she gave me a really great read the other day. I was oh, really? <laughs> so proud of her. Like, I never like to use her for auditions just because, you know, I just keep things a little bit separate, you yeah. know, but uh, sometimes in the times of COVID, you've got to do what you got to do. And yeah. she had to read a couple of things with me. And man, there was a couple of really great moments that I was like, oh, you're, you're giving me something as a reader. <laughs> yeah. And I was so, I was so, so pleased with her in that moment like she was she was so great and so gracious but no she's not an actor mm. um but she has a harder job she's the wife or the spouse of an actor the mm. partner of an actor and i think that's really hard yeah that's my partner commend him for that very much he he helps me with my tapes a lot in our tiny apartment uh an actor but, uh, say again is he an actor he's acted but he's not he's not pursuing it he did he does like you know, he does a, a play or whatever happens in college. Mm-hmm. Um, just mm-hmm. sort, sort of, you know, pass the time. Have he knows, he knows what, what to do. He, know, he, he gets it, right? Like, right. Know. He's a great reader because he, he very much, you know, knows how to break down a script really quickly and all that stuff. Um, but no, he's pursuing like medical. He's not at all interested in actually pursuing it full time. Awesome. And I'm like, go get, get the job security, get the check. <laughs> By all means. Yeah. I mean, Jeff, that's a great... Um, a great eye for truth, which I think non-actors can sometimes have where it's mm-hmm. like, but she doesn't have a great way of delivering the notes. So she'd be like, well, just, why are you doing it? Like that so hard, <laughs> you know, like it's your heart when she says it. Um, but it's also like, you're right. You're so right. I don't yeah. know why I'm doing it like that. Yeah. And, you know, so the vocabulary is not there as far as, uh, as far as her directorial skill. Mm-hmm. However, when it's not, truthful it's not real i can mm. see it written all over her face yeah okay so yeah, yeah I, I, that doesn't happen very often uh, that, that she reads with me but on occasion yeah it's yeah. funny you mention that because that's definitely something that i notice when when he helps me with my with my tapes uh he'll just straight up say like why did you say it like that that doesn't sound normal and i'm like ah, dang it, i'm overthinking it you know you're not doing it as naturally as you should and i'm like thank you because every actor would be like oh good choice but uh-huh. It's like, well, is that the right one? Yeah, well, uh, that's an interesting yeah. and, and finding what's right and what's not right. I, I think I've battled with a lot over over the last few months and trying to get things right. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And it, who, mm-hmm. did, no one even knows what that is. So, yeah. Know. The whole sort of, uh, yeah, that whole notion of, of, of getting things right or or even just what success is, is so subjective. And in, you know, to some people, a great year is having one audition a month and getting new headshots. Like, yeah, I had a great year, super productive. I got some, you know, and to other people, that same amount of, of, of opportunity is like disastrous. They're like, no, it was a horrible year. I only had 10 auditions this year. It's like, well, to someone else, that's like so much, you know, layers beyond what they sort of thought. And um, yeah, Mm -hmm. in terms of um, you you mentioned in sort of in in the questions that I'd sent over, um, one of the big misconceptions that you realized was about agents, and um, you know that we shouldn't be scared of of our agents. So what can you sort of say about that and and, and give some insight on on that? Yeah, that's an interesting relationship, the actor agent one, because I think they the who has the higher status in that relationship is. Um, it's not important because it should be a partnership. And mm. I think when you find that, um, it can be really great. However, there's a lot 
of like, um, it's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that we as actors don't realize and don't know. Uh, and that's unfortunate and that's hard. And I understand the need for actors to reach out to their representatives and, and ask them like, what's going on with this? Mm. Why am I not being seen for this? Why am I not getting this audition? Or what am I doing well that I can continue to do? Um, but, and I don't I think an actor should ever be afraid of asking those questions. It's mm. how often you're asking those questions. And are you asking yourself the same questions before you go to them? Because, you know, it's human nature to sort of blame other people for our problems and blame other, you know, other situations. Um, but I think, uh, but yeah, you should never be, I, I've, I've had an agent or two even here in LA, not necessarily theatrically, but where the relationship is just not there. They don't know who you are. They don't know um, what you can do and what you bring to the table. And the correspondence with them is never pleasant. Um, and that's just not great. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be afraid of that. And you should remember that, um, that when you're not working, like they still might be um hmm. for you and, and and they only get 10 percent of what you have and uh, you know i just think it's important to have a great uh dialogue with them at least up front about what's expected um what's expected of the correspondence some agents really love for you to go and stop by once a month once every other month hmm. um now things have changed but you know i think um understanding uh what the communication is supposed to be hopefully they're reaching out to you and saying hey we need you to get new headshots and, mm -hmm. and this is why um and i'm lucky enough right now to have a great team that sort of tells me these things and explains them in a way that makes me feel like i'm not throwing away money and also that it's that it's for the betterment of everyone uh mm -hmm. if we if we get these things done um but yeah I, I don't think you should ever be afraid of your agents and afraid to reach out, but so many people are. Um, and you know, if you've gone on several auditions and, and you're not booking and not getting callbacks, it can be a little scary to reach out to your reps yeah. and, and get the truth because you're worried that maybe they'll drop you. And, and what does that mean for you in your career? And um, what does that mean for your auditioning prospects going forward if you don't have representation and, and I've had friends that have gone through that recently and it's really hard, but, um, but that's why the relationship has got to, you've got to communicate. Autumn is officially upon us. And whether you live in New York city or Los Angeles, everyone deserves to experience those classic scents of autumn and that's why i'm thrilled to be partnering once again with redondo road candle makers to announce their new line of autumn inspired scents which include apples and maple bourbon baked apple pie and the classic toasted pumpkin spice redondo road candles are hand poured right here in the u.s and made from 100 percent natural soy wax and all renewable resources Burning on my desk right now is their Amber Noir Candle, which is a warm fusion of mandarin, jasmine, and amber with hints of sandalwood and musk that just whisks you away on a warm cabin getaway. Another favorite of mine is their Cake Candle, which smells like the sweetest, yummiest vanilla frosted cake you have ever smelled. Redondo Road candles start at just $15 for their 5.5 ounce jars and are shipped within the continental US. For more information, visit RedondoRoad.com. That's RedondoRoad.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's this misconception with them that uh, an, an agent or a manager or a rep of any kind is going to be like the answer to their prayers. They won't have to do any more work. Like, nope, my agent's going to submit me or, or, you know, they're a freshman in college and they think like everyone says I have to get an agent. 
it's like, well, you're a full-time student like that, you know, get your training. Like you're not going to have time to sort of audition full-time and also be in school. There's so much, I guess, misinformation out there for, or just really misconceptions for, for young actors. Um, I think it's but, also when actors are on sort of the precipice of something else, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of sparks some anxiety in, in, in us. And that like, well, if you feel like you should, like you've done the co-star thing for, you know, years and years and years, and you feel like you should be on the precipice of getting to the next level or mm-hmm. you've been just finishing school. So there's like some anxiety about it or like you've been auditioning a ton and you feel like you've been crushing it and you just can't get over that hump to get the call back. And that's when, that's when we can look to sort of blame or find a reason like it. And it blame is probably the wrong word, but sort of, attach something to that of like figuring out why um Mm. and that's when communications can get a little bit difficult and uh, um frustrating and and uh, i think yeah you're right there is some misconception about what that relationship is supposed to be especially when you feel like you're not um like things aren't firing you know things aren't Mm. getting you're not you're not feeling it it's hard yeah absolutely it's um it's just so inter- interesting to think about because I mean, just for I for one, you know, I had I got my first rep a year ago, mm-hmm. and sort of had that mindset like, oh my god, now the ball, you know, we're gonna get the ball rolling, things are gonna happen. It's like, uh, nope, you now you have to fix your package because you now have a set of professional eyes on your materials. That's not you're not asking your other actor friend, how's my reel? What should I change? Like, no, it's great. It's like you know, you have a professional right. who has been in the thick of, of the industry for a while and you know they want to help you they want you to succeed because success for you means that they can succeed with you and and um yeah you mentioned earlier you know how they see you mm-hmm. you know and it's like one thing it's like you you think you know what you are as an actor but you don't actually really know yet a lot of times what especially young actors what where you fit into the world what yeah. You know, like if you fit into the sort of the law and order franchise or if you fit into more of like the shameless world, like sometimes mm-hmm. actors don't recognize that. Um, and also agents have a different idea of where you might fit than where you think you are. And so there mm-hmm. could be this sort of imbalance there yeah. and, and, you, and you've got to be able to talk about that. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes they're, you know, agents are sort of throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what's, what sticks and mm-hmm. what, what's traction. And, you know, in my case, it was like, oh, well, just he can sing. Let's throw him against the Book of Mormon wall and see what happens. And, and, and that happened to work out. And I don't know if I'll ever go back to Broadway. I have absolutely no idea. This, that could have been it for me. But, um, you know, it was, it was something that I think already, even during the pandemic, has sort of opened some doors for me. When I moved back to L.A., my reps were a little bit um, concerned on how things were going to go. Once I came back, I was, mm. I was, things were going really well in New York, even in the TV world out there. And so they were like, we're not sure. And it's actually been remarkably good over the last few months. Thank God. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased about that, but yeah, sometimes you just never know what's going to stick and agents need to be able to find that out just as much as you do in your, in your work and your craft. Yeah, for sure. I, when I got my first rep, um, it was definitely that. And it, it was a lot of questioning. And it's just, you know, like you said, it's a partnership. It's You're a team. There has to be a sense of trust in, in, with your team. And there was so much like that I didn't just outright didn't know. And then uh, even even beyond that was that I just was questioning so much. I'm like, I would get an audition for something. I'm like, wait, why did I, why did they even submit me for this? I feel like I'm totally wrong for this. But then it's like, well, your agent submitted you, the casting director want gave you the audition. So like some things work, it's like, just, you know, listen to the professionals. They know what they're doing. It is their job to give auditions to, to who they think is the right fit. Yeah. Even if I, I think I, I'm 10 years too young for it or something, you know? Right. And sometimes you know, like I, I think I've turned down maybe three auditions in my career. Like, mm. like just because I felt, you know, like other than like if I had a conflict, which, you know, like whatever. But um, I have friends that turn down auditions, like don't want to do a kid's TV show. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why, why? Why are you? I mean, I understand like if 
if your agents have a specific track, like very specific, right. like you're coming off of winning, you know, an Emmy for this, like it wouldn't make sense for you to go and do a show on, you know, uh, Nickelodeon or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? But for me, an audition is an opportunity to go and live the life that we all have all chosen. You know what I mean? It's to go and live that, that specific life for the world in that world and have fun and, and play and then move on to the next thing. And you never know what's going to happen. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think you've got to, you can't just sort of pin yourself in this, uh, in, in a corner as well. You got to take every opportunity that you can get. Um, and, and I, I just don't understand when I hear actors turning down auditions a lot. I just don't get that. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, just sometimes and there's, you know maybe conflicts or whatever or you're not proud of the 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 show and and, and it's like you know a moral thing and that's you know that's different but if right. it's just uh if it's a preference i'm like yeah whatever i think man that's just me you know exactly different yeah. i'm give it to me and i want to go do it for sure right yeah i did definitely. i did turn down an audition i did turn down an audition a, a month ago a month mm -hmm. ago and it was um it was for a show out a popular show out here and it was for it was for drag queen and i don't do drag and i've never done it and i had to turn in the self-tape the next day and mm. i was like this isn't my role you know like i I, have no, I would love one day to do drag and like do it in a show or do it in a movie but like they just need somebody that can do that thing and knows mm -hmm. how to do that thing right now yeah. And it was like, I will spend the next like 10 hours trying to figure out what that looks like on me. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, I, I, I so I, I, again, there's exceptions to every rule. And I think right. that like, I would love the opportunity to explore that, but I would have done sort of, a, uh, I wouldn't have done it justice. I don't think at all. Mm -hmm. uh, Is there anything that you know now that you wish you knew, like, before either before or early on in your career um that you've sort of sort of come to realize that whether it was uh, another misconception or just something that you had really no idea sort of existed yeah i mean i think um beyond sort of the relationship with the agent saying so we sort of covered that i think um you know one thing that my acting teacher graham shields talks about is that if there's one thing, this is specific to the craft, if there's one thing that every actor is going to do for the audition, it's going to be to say the words that are on the page. So like you don't book work by just memorizing the lines. Um, and I think that was hard for me early on because I, I, you know, I, I pride myself on like being prepared as far mm -hmm. as like not needing to read on a piece of paper what I'm supposed to say. But at the same time, there's, if you know that every actor is going to say these words, you've got to find a different way to set yourself apart mm. and you book and you're listening. Um, and I think uh, understanding that, and I'm still trying to understand that and still trying to find the heart and the root uh, and the why of all these characters that, that I audition for, whether it is for a kid's TV show or a musical or a, a role on a procedural or a movie or whatever, I think sort of worrying less about memorizing the words and, and, and you should be memorized in my opinion. However, mm -hmm. worrying less about that and worrying and, and finding the time to play a little bit more and experience a little bit more and, and think about the givens a little bit more and then filling in the gaps a little bit more. That has become more important to me now. And, and that's just, I think, you know, uh, my journey as an actor, I, I didn't start like acting until after college, you know, what really it was all about music and, mm. and, uh, and I'm lucky enough since then that I've had some incredible teachers from all over, both in the TV world and theater and directors and people that have opened my eyes to different technique and, and that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, I, that, that was a misconception that the, that the words are the only thing that matters. Memorizing is the only thing that matters. But I think uh, that's another another misconception mm. that I've thought about a lot recently. So, uh, in also in, in one of the questions I sent, you mentioned um, overcoming a slump 
or a plateau uh, that a teacher told you to be sorry for your life? <laughs> yeah, that happened to be a voice teacher in college. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I took it with me for sure. This was, this was a real eye-opening moment. I, I went into to a lesson one day, a voice lesson, and um, it was a rep lesson. So, you know, you're, you're expected to bring in a new piece. My teacher had pretty high standards that every week we had to bring in a new song that was memorized, that like was ready to go. Um, and, and, and in the classical world, that means a piece in German. That means a piece in French. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and memorizing that stuff can be quite difficult. But I, I think it was for the second week in a row had come in and I was less than prepared for the lesson. And eventually, like the accompanist stopped playing. We were lost. My, my language was all over the place. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and uh, and he was like, I think my accompanist at the time literally just like sat her head down on the piano and was just so frustrated. And that was the end of the lesson. I mean, the lesson was like 15 minutes long. It was like, bye, get out, literally get out. And I was like, crap, okay. So the next day um, I, I saw my teacher uh, standing, <clears throat> standing in the hall, speaking with somebody and I waited for the conversation to end. And I approached him and I was like, hey, I, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm, uh, I'm sorry for, for yesterday, uh, for not being prepared. It's not going to happen again. He looked me straight in the eye and he said, don't be sorry for yesterday. Be sorry for your life. And I was like, what? And my <laughs> eyes, I mean, I think I was, a, I was a sophomore in college. My eyes welled up and I turned and I walked down the hall at OCU and I was just crying because I was like, oh my God, what was that? And what does he mean? And of course, the next week I go into my lesson and I was like, and he was all happy and we were chummy and I yeah. was ready to go and had a good lesson. And then afterwards I was like, you know, you, what you said was really tough. And he's like, what did I say? I said, <laughs> you could be sorry for your life. He said, I said that. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> and I was like, oh my, and it stuck with me to this day. Yeah. And, and, and I think the reason why it stuck with me was because I've been fortunate and, and, and blessed that I have been given talent, you know, that, and, and you know, I am uh, a straight white male in this world that things are handed to me a lot easier than a lot of other people, a lot of mm -hmm. other demographics. And, um, and I was taking it for granted. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I was in a, a in an institution in college that, uh, was excellent and I had excellent training and I was not making the most of it. And, and what he meant was that I was, you know, uh, top of my class in high school and I was, you know, uh, given a, a very generous scholarship to come here, but like, you know what? No one cares. Mm -hmm. They care about is what you can do right now in this moment. And you're, I was sort of throwing it away. And if you continue down this path, you're going to be sorry for the life that you've lived. Mm. it's not good you're not going to reach your full potential and that you know eventually I did sort of transition out of classical music it just wasn't the path that I was wanting to go on any further but I definitely took that lesson of like you know uh you've got to put in the work on the on the regular every day you can't just get by on your natural abilities uh past a certain level because at a certain point talent kind of evens out you know i think and I, this is in acting too everybody is talented everybody who's living in la who's been here for any significant amount of time who's getting brought into the audition rooms that you're getting brought into has a certain amount of talent it's it's the work after that like how persistent are you how good are you at updating your materials what's your relationship with your agent are you going to class? Are you putting in the work? Are you going to the gym? Are you, are you living a life outside of acting? Are you, you know what I mean? Do you have mm. other hobbies? Do you have other kids? Do you have pets? Do you have life, a life? Mm. Um, and if you don't have that, um, if you aren't doing those things, you'll just sort of get lost in the shuffle. So. Jeez. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's so, common uh, one of the most common threads in all of my interviews because i started the podcast in may during covid 
it was something that I wanted to do for such a long time beforehand and never just because I didn't have a life outside of working my part-time job uh try, or what really felt like a full-time job but um and you know auditioning when I could I, I didn't have uh you know the time or even energy to 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 just chat with people like that's I don't like to call these interviews because they're really just chats like we're literally like on zoom <laughs> you know yeah, just like yeah, yeah. chatting and and whatnot you know it's um but yeah it's one of the most common threads in, in most of the interviews was that actors were realizing how bad they were at self-care until they had nothing but time on their hands and they're just like wow I need I needed to check in with myself and with my mental health and with my physical health and all of that and it's something that so many of us take for granted it's like it's insane it's i think yeah. that's so important you, you, when you say check in with yourself i always tell my students that is that you ha every once in a while you have to ask is this the path is this the journey that i want to be mm. on and that's something i wish that i would have done in college I, I, I wish i would have done that because you know you get sort of um we're as actors you should be sort of you have to be single-minded you have to try and sort of counterintuitive to what i was just saying about broadening your horizons but you know what i mean you have to be mm -hmm. like focused yeah when it's time to be and, focused be focused right know? but at the same time you've gotta every once in a while check in and say like am i taking care of myself and is this the journey that uh, is fulfilling me that's filling yeah. up um and I haven't done that in the past. And it's sort of, you sort of spin your wheels for a while and maybe you end up making bad decisions because of it. Um, but if there's one silver lining in, in, in COVID, I think is um, a lot of people, a lot of couples um, are realizing that the journey that they are currently on is not, is not the right one. And you, and, and you have to reassess. Hmm. Um, and more power to these people that are choosing different, a different industry or are trying to pivot and go towards, you know, a, a different aspect, you know, you're an actor and now you want to do, you want to do a little bit more comedy or stand up, or, you know, you want to make your side hustle into more of a full-time gig. You want to get out of New York city and go move to a cheaper place. Like, God bless you for that. I understand it 100%. Um, so yeah, checking in with yourself is so important. And, you know, also I will say, I remember having a conversation with a buddy of mine, a DP out here early on in COVID. And we each said to each other, the people that can withstand this, the artists that can withstand COVID, withstand this pandemic, and stick around in there in New York and LA or wherever you are mm. and, and stick through it and grow through it are gonna rise to the top mm. because everyone was unemployed for a while. Yeah. I mean, everyone, the playing field was even. And, and, in, and in a way it still is, things are starting to happen now and, and things are sort of normalizing, quote unquote normalizing. Um, but yeah the, the, the playing field is so even and so it's it to me it was like oh this is an opportunity to make a leap hmm. to, to, to shoot up that ladder um if you can and show people that you've been you've not just been twiddling your thumbs during this time and not to say that there's anything wrong with taking time off or self-care mm -hmm. or anything like that if you did grow as an artist during the pandemic, I think uh, you're going to bear the fruits of your labor mm -hmm. soon. So people that are listening, good for you for doing that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's something that, um, you know, I know people sort of on both sides of that aisle of the people that were like, um, I'm moving back home, wherever home was because yeah. there just was an opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and some, and then others were like, nope, I'm going to take that extra $600 that the government's giving. I'm going to invest in a class. And that was me. I definitely invested in getting back into class and mm -hmm. taking workshops. All the casting directors had all of this time on their hands. They're like, well, we're going to do some workshops. There was a lot of casting director. Oh, many. <laughs> a lot of self-tape challenges. And yeah. you know what? Like, 
that They're so was, helpful. <laughs> was very nice. Was yeah. Very nice. And uh, yes, yeah. good. Good. <laughs> yes. Sure. Something for us all to do. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. I did. You know, I sent some yeah. self casting directors that I'd never met before, and um, that's a. It was. It was a good thing. And then there was they. They were pivoting and trying to keep themselves occupied as well. And like right. that's ex that's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I, I I don't I don't. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting time for sure. <laughs> it was just like it seemed like every other week I was like I got to do another self tape, an <laughs> imaginary job that I don't have. Like I'm all for training, um, but it, after a while, I was like, it, it just sort of reminded me of uh, of all the things that I couldn't have right now, that I couldn't mm -hmm. book right now. Even yeah. though it is about relationships and it is about cultivating and and growing as an actor, but um, yeah, I hope no casting directors are listening to this thinking like I'm ungrateful. I was not. I don't think but any casting directors listen to my show. <laughs> You know what? I, I don't know. Never know. Uh, but you know, you know what I mean. It, after a while, it started to become a little bit uh, daunting, and also sort of yeah. I, I, there was a, for me at least, a lack of efficacy on that, on that front, where I felt like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself out there. Not that I audition always just to get the job. Sometimes it is to live the life, but it felt like there was a lack of efficacy there mm. that was happening, and and I'm, I, I would be more inclined to invest in class with an acting teacher you know what i mean um yeah. somebody that can actually immediately give you feedback and like boom this is what was great about that this yeah. is what you need to work on um and so i've been doing that as well and, and also in teaching yeah yeah and also uh, writing a new musical so are you writing a new show i am so i this is uh yeah this has been a saving grace in COVID. is uh the right before the Broadway shutdown, about two weeks before, um, the standbys from Book of Mormon started writing a new musical. Mm. So me and the other three boys in our dressing room uh, are, uh, we just attached, not just a few months ago, we attached a composer um, mm -hmm. who has written one of the longest running off-Broadway musicals of all time. So it's very exciting for us to attach him as a sort of novice writers but we have this really great idea um, and it's plays on our nostalgia for the, for the nineties. Mm. Also a great comedy. It's also a murder mystery. Um, and I think it's going to be really awesome. So we are, we finished our first draft a few months ago. We're in rewrites now. Music is sort of getting uh, slowly coming along. Um, but it's really fun. It's a blast. So I can't wait to like one day actually have a real reading and a sing through. It's going to be yeah. so fun. This is my, that's my first venture. And that's another thing I've been doing during COVID is exercising um, my chops as a writer. And so I wrote my first pilot, comedy pilot, writing a musical. I wrote my first short um, and I've been reading a lot more of other mm -hmm. people's works. Uh, so that's been a blessing too. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely been something that uh, I made sure to start doing more uh, is reading, reading scripts, reading the first drafts of very popular shows yeah. and seeing how it changed from the first draft or, you know, an early draft to the final cut and, you know, listening to, to different podcasts and reading uh, like I read Jenna Fisher's book, The Actor's Life, which I think every oh. actor needs to read. It's such a great book. I want to um, do that. I'm read that one that one's really really interesting just hearing you know her eight-year journey from uh moving from missouri to la and then in la for eight years before booking her first series regular that turned into over 200 episodes of a network show you know like mm. uh and she talks about stuff that happened after um some of the smaller like some of the guest stars she did after and um um some of the other pilots and and getting recast and I think it was Man with a Plan with Matt LeBlanc. She was supposed to play. That's right. I, I, his... I heard a podcast with her talk about that. Yeah. It's so, so interesting to hear like, it's Jenna Fisher. Like it's Pam. Like we, you guys recast her. And it's just interesting hearing, uh, you know, she said, she basically said like people, we just didn't buy it as them being like husband and wife. It felt more like they were like, you know, catty siblings or, mm -hmm. or whatever. It's just so interesting to hear all that stuff that, 
we normally don't hear about, like the pilots don't get picked up and, and people's experiences on those and all that stuff. Isn't it amazing how many, I, you know, my wife and I were talking about this the other day, how many actor stories you hear that like, you're in LA for a certain amount of time and nothing's going on. And they were just when they were calling their parents for money or mm. just when they're about to move home, they book the job that changes their life. It's never like, you know, or at least maybe it doesn't make for a good story, but it's never like, oh, you know, <laughs> I was doing great and everything. And I was building this momentum and it was sort of this linear journey all yeah. the way up to, you know, whatever. I mean, of course that does happen and doesn't make for as good of a story, but it's amazing. Like Aaron Paul is another one that you hear about mm. like, right before Breaking Bad. He had done a couple of things, but you know, it, it, Breaking Bad was his like saving grace that yeah. kept him in the industry. And there's other, I, I can't think of other actors right now, but yeah, Jenna Fisher was another one that was like that. People that were just just on the precipice of, 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 of making a career change until something happens. That's a lesson to us all, right? Is that you got to keep going. You know, they say this is a 50 year career. Yeah. And, and I'm like five years. <laughs> so I got a long way to go, but uh makes me feel bad for my my significant other. <laughs> like oh, I promise yeah, one day th- you'll get that house. One <laughs> day you'll have that picket fence. I promise. Yeah. I promise, but one geez. day we'll live off residuals. Don't worry. One day. That day yeah. is not right now, but it's coming. Uh it's funny. An- another actor who um on so Jenna Fisher also has a podcast called The Office Ladies with Angela Kinsey, who plays Angela on the show. Uh, and they'll have like some of the the actors and, and crew on the show. And one of the conversations that they had was uh, with Rashida Jones, who plays Karen on the mm-hmm. show. And she was saying that she was uh, about to quit acting. And then she booked like the one episode. And then, cause it was, you know, it was like the Stanford storyline on, on the office. Mm-hmm. So it was a very, like a small story. You knew that Jim was going to go back to Scranton at some point. Cause no one was going to watch two offices. Um, right. And then they expanded her storyline. And then when she left, she did Parks and Rec. And then she did Angie Tribeca. Now she has a show on Netflix. Like, it's like all the, you know, but so close, like, like we we're saying. And of course, yeah. you don't, you know, there's way more actors who are like, I've been booking fairly consistently. I've been working, you know, again, sort of the snowball effect, slowly growing, getting that linear sort of path, like you said. Um, sure. Yeah, it's just, it's so funny hearing of, of all these different sort of, types of situations like we said before i know two pads are alike and it's really it's so different some people yeah that's you know i i hear that a lot and it's so true no two paths are alike everyone is unique and bringing your own uniqueness into your craft i think is key whereas we're all trying to find like the right way to book and and sort of a consistent um a consistency to this especially the people that just you know, are analytical in that way. Like, what am I doing right here that is not going right in this way, you know, like yeah. in this room or with this type of thing. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't know if I have a great answer for that, except like, you've just got to stick with it. Yeah. You know, you've just got to keep going. And there are so many downtimes. And if the downtime is just over and over, you know, I, I have a friend out here who has been here for 10 years and is, she has the hardest time getting in rooms, but she's so good. Mm. Um, and I've seen her in class and she's so incredible. But so all I can say is just like, you've got to try and shake things up a little bit, whether it is just like completely trying to find new representation or getting a new coach. Yeah. Um, meeting new people going out to different places and 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 networking group whatever taking new yeah whatever it is you do have to change things up and and stick with it but yeah you can't just do the same things over and over and expect different results right um but sometimes it's just uh it's it's difficult this is a hard career path but uh i think if you stick with it long enough we're all gonna we're all gonna be living off residuals like you said one day nice one day (laughs) All right. So unfortunately, we're coming to the end of our time. Uh, I always like to (laughs) with most actors, I could literally I'm like, I listen to two to three hour podcasts. I don't know about the rest of my listeners if they would be up for that. But one day we'll we'll each each one will get longer. Uh, But before we wrap up, I always like to end with a rapid fire round of questions. I'm sure if you've listened through an episode, you've heard them. So no pressure. 90 seconds on the clock, but no pressure. 
Great. <laughs> All right. Starting with coffee or tea? Coffee. TV or film? TV. Theater or screen acting? Screen acting. Plays or musicals? Plays. Drama or comedy? Drama. Your most recent uh, binge watch? The Office over and over again. If you were an actor, what would you be doing for a living? Say, if I wasn't an actor? Right. Uh, I would be teaching voice lessons. If you got to be in the revival of any show, what would it be? Oh my God. Um, uh, Death of a Salesman. Uh, what role did you have the most fun playing? Peter Allen. Boy from Oz? Yeah. Uh, what is your go-to audition song? I don't have it. I don't have one. <laughs> uh, what's the most helpful book that you've read? The Intent to Live by Larry Moss. If you had the chance to direct any actor in a stage project, who would you choose? Chase Ramsey. I don't know who that is. Uh, your favorite accent to do and can we hear it? Um, this is my original accent as a Brit from Northern England. Uh, what is the worst side job that you've had? The worst side job. Uh, That's the, oh, there's so many. <laughs> sign spinning. Oof. All right, and that's time. So final question, in 10 words or less, what advice would you give to a young actor? Check in with yourself. Uh, ask yourself if this is the journey you want to be on. Train. And that's it for this week's episode of Actors with Issues with special guest Alex Ross, who you can follow on Instagram at astanross and follow us at Actors with Issues. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review wherever you are listening and catch new episodes every Friday across all podcasting platforms. This is Juan Ayala signing off.